everybody welcome to the 265th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage here uh late night podcast boys we out here yeah i mean we just finished uh watching the brooklyn nets versus the uh, portland trailblazers where the blazers get the dub i mean let's just get into it what is your good for the week dustin yeah, so just to quickly recap, the Blazers went 3-2 and two on the week, defeating the shorthanded Hawks 131, excuse me, 136-131 to 131 in a career performance from Anthony Simons. Uh, back-to-back losses to the Heat by 6 and Cavaliers by 13 midweek were followed by back-to-back Ws against the Kings by 15 and the Brooklyn Nets, surprisingly, by 6. Sage, the Blazers are now. Let me pull this up. I usually have it up. I just forgot to have it up. The Blazers are now 16 and 24 on the season, 14 and 11 at home, and 10th in the Western Conference. We all know what that means. It would secure them a spot in the play in. Uh, but you asked my good for the week. Uh, I think there are, I don't think there was anything that was like incredibly like amazing. I think there's a a few little goods that you could pull from. So that's what I'm going to do. First and foremost, I think my major good is that Damian Lillard continues to take time off and he continues to visit with specialists. Uh, Casey Holdall reported earlier today that he will not travel with the team uh, on their upcoming six game road trip and is going to be further evaluated. It would seem they are leaning towards shutting him down for the remainder of the season. Uh, one would have wished it would have happened earlier in the year because we kind of saw from the jump that this wasn't going to be it. And Dame looked significantly impacted by that injury all the way back to the Tokyo Olympics. You know, if, if we're really looking at the, the performances that we're used to seeing from Dame, he just did not look right. And I think that's good for a few reasons. One, it it kind of keeps Dame's value and I think, yeah, value around the league intact. Because if he were to continue playing at the current level, you're going to get people and maybe GMs thinking Dame slipped off a bit. I don't know if that's the trade package we're, we're looking for. Portland never went out that route or if Dame ever asked out. So that would have been a negative. I also think it's good because it prevents further injury. And I think it's really good because Portland is now going to say, okay, Dame, we've seen what LeBron can do late in his career. We're seeing what Steph Curry is doing right now. After basically taking a gap year, we've seen what Chris Paul can do late into his thirties. We want you to be that type of player for us into your mid to late thirties. You know, Damian will turn 32 this, this summer So there's still a lot of good basketball left. So preserving that, just hope that you can get some really solid years from Dame is a positive. With the players that are currently on the floor, I think you're seeing a lot of players boosting their trade value. And I think it gives Joe Cronin a a lot of good options. You've got Yusuf Nurkic out there showing fight. Robert Covington coming to life. 
Uh, and Anthony Simons, I mean, you know, what what can you say about Ant in the month of January, averaging 29 points per game, 51% from three. He's getting the lion's share of minutes starting at guard, 37 a night, basically, you know, uh, seven assists. And he's not turning the ball over too terribly much, only 2.8 assists. So you'll take basically a three to one assist to turnover ratio uh, every night. Just a beautiful performance against the Atlanta Hawks, a career high. Uh, 43 points, and he went up against Kyrie Irving, and he had more than held his own. So I think if you're looking for a good, there is a lot of good coming from a trying season. It, it's been it's been a difficult season on a multitude of fronts. So if you're looking for silver linings, I think the play of, of Ant and Nasir as, as young players to grow with the franchise. Uh, has to be a, a very positive uh, outlook on on the week that was. I mean, for me, I, I've, we, when Yusuf Nurkic did that tweet where I feel like he was trying to impersonate Woj as best as he could, saying that he was going to play that game, I was thinking, oh, okay, Yusuf's going to, you know, kind of F around. But in the games that we won, he established his dominance over the – other teams big and just like set the tone that we weren't going to be messed with. I think Yusuf Nurkic, I, I know Ant scored really well in these wins, but Yusuf Nurkic just dominating other post players, getting position in the post, drawing fouls. It's good to see Yusuf Nurkic, you know, have just be off the, off the leash because Chauncey Billups has always kept him on that leash, but with Dame out, Norm out, CJ out. Who are you going to turn to for most of your usage? And right now, it's Yusuf Nurkic and Anthony Simons. So you get to see those two players who Portland could choose to give a contract to, give them the 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 freedom to produce. And I think that Yusuf Nurkic has shown his how valuable he really is. You know, teams and fans and everybody clamors for a playmaking big. Right now, Yusuf Nurkic is a easily our best passer. He is a DHO operator. He is providing the things that we're looking at, but just because a very tumultuous year has happened, people are looking at him like he's bad. No, he's really good. There was like some plays in this week where it's like, oh shit, that's that's not a center passing it. That is a point guard passing it. There was a play where Nasir cut. And both his man and the guy helping on the right corner went to Nasir because, you know, he's been killing it. So uh, Yusuf fake passed it to the uh, to the cutting man and then passed it to CJ Ellerby in the open corner. I, I, I don't see many bigs be able to do that type of playmaking. So I, I, Yusuf Nurkic has been my shining star. I, of course, Ant has been scoring and scoring really well. Well, scoring, not really efficiently, but he has been scoring. But Yusuf Nurkic setting the tone for our team to play hard defensively and then being that that offensive hub for us or that playmaking hub for us has been really nice to see because I felt like he was the scapegoat this year. Chauncey Billups and he were the scapegoat. But if you give him a role where he can succeed in, he looks really good. So my question to you is, this is a contract year for Yusuf Nurkic. Portland has about a month to decide what they want to do with him for his future. 
the MO on Nurkic has been injury concerns and inconsistent play. Are you buying that he is going to keep this energy and effort and execution over the course of the rest of the season? Or are you trying to sell high because of four or five seasons that you've seen, like you, you know who this player is, or are you going to kind of get caught up in the, the good vibes? I'm not going to be a victim of the moment, but it makes me realize that we don't have just a normal center. Like he is a good player. And the, the what he can provide a team, it doesn't have to be the trailblazer, but what he can provide a team when he's given the right, you know, amount of freedom and, you know, love and care and, you know, like treating him like a good player. I wouldn't, I still think the best course of action would be to trade him to get something because I think Clutch always gets their guys paid, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him to stay. Like he's proven to me that he is a very good player with a lot of things that can help in the playoffs. Will it be with the Portland Trailblazers? I don't know. But if you can show that this tape to a team that needs a center, I feel like they're going to be really impressed. And I think that one thing about trading him right now is I think if he goes to a contending team, the, uh, the media and then people on Twitter are going to say, how come the Blazers let this guy go for such little assets? It's so crazy. But, you know, like with Chauncey Billups in a full healthy team, I don't think he gets this run. But on a competitive team that's working for something that can inspire him to play well, he can be a really nice center for a good team. I mean, to my counterpoint, have you not watched the, the use of Nurkic since 2017? This is what he is. He is feast or famine. I am a big proponent on selling high and buying low. I, I don't think Nurkic fits into the long-term plans of the Blazers just because of those two concerns. You have injury concerns, which, which I think are out of his control, but I think are 100% valid because they've been in multiple areas of his body over the course of multiple seasons. It wasn't just one major injury. It was, uh, it was almost year after year at one point. And then you also have the production, whether it's a different coach or a different scheme, Sometimes you get the Bosnian beast and sometimes it's just regular old Yusuf and that's not a a knock on him. But when you're, I think Nurk and CJ to an extent have been victims of Neil Olshay's roster construction. And they cannibalize each other and six, three and seven feet as the, the number two and the number three to Dame's number one, forming this, you know, big three, when it's never really been that case, Portland's always needed more. Those guys could be really good contributors on a championship contending team, but I don't think either is a two or three on, on a championship contending team. And Mm. that's what Portland should be looking to, build up. And that's what I've been doing a lot of thinking about, you know, watching, watching this team and thinking about where they're going in, in the future is these players are unrestricted free agents in terms of of Nurkic importantly, but also Robert Covington. And and when you look at the, the salary that Portland is, is shelled out, you're looking at, you know, Norman Powell's 15, $16 million. That's, Okay, you can you can that, that's fine. I think that's a a positive asset. It's yeah, it's it's not good, it's not it's, bad. It's, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's more positive than negative. Yes, maybe 55 45, but it, it's 
you don't have to give a first round pick away to get rid of exactly then you're paying you know i look at i'm like you're paying cj mccollum 30 million dollars like cj's a good player but when you're paying someone 30 mil they have to be at least an all-star at least your second option you mentioned it clutch gets their players paid nurk is going to expect a big contract he always has this shouldn't shock anyone Nurk at 10 to $12 million, you can live with that because you're going to be able to fill the other spots on the roster using your cap wisely. You're not going to be able to win with Nurk commanding up to $20 million when you've already got so much money allocated to Dame, CJ, Norm, and then whatever and, you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will talk about Ant in just a second when it comes to contract. Um, so that's why I would sell high on on Nurk. Um, I know he's really close to Dame. We probably win the title in 2019 if he's healthy. That's kind of crazy to think just how important he was that year. But it's just been, I've seen too much. You know, there's there's too much history there. Like we need a a fresh slate. And I I think you have to sell high. If you you can get a first or two firsts for Nurk. Oh, you do um, that in a second. I'm like, what he is doing currently with just unlimited usage and touches is impressive. But if some team is foolish enough to give us two first round picks and a usable player for him, or like a usable player in a first, I'm trading him because I've seen a lot of what he's doing, but when Dame and CJ are healthy, he tries a lot of high risk stuff. And the usage goes down too. Depending. It's, it's a fight between him and CJ. It's always going to be a fight between him and CJ. But when, when in this current team, he's not doing that like insanely crazy passing. He's like, I, I, he's making good moves. He's making good reads. We don't, we, he is our best playmaker right now. So like to see the skill set where it's like players that, aren't Dame and CJ's caliber to see what he can do to provide them good shots is pretty crazy for, for a guy that's seven feet, 300 pounds. But if a team like, let's say the Miami heat are just so impressed and are willing to give us assets. Thank you. Yusuf, for your time here, but I, it, it, it's tough because we, we, we do know what Yusuf is, but this unfeathered he's usage. A, he's is, a good player. He is. Yeah. He's, a, he's a very good player. Unfortunately, like I said, I think he's just going to command too much money. Is he a top 10 center? I feel like point guard and center is the toughest. Yeah, uh, I I just and I I think center is probably the least impactful position right now in today's NBA. You can get away with just having a a random guy out there. But that random guy isn't going to do what Yusuf does, which I think we've been spoiled with Mason Plumlee and Yusuf. I I agree, but Mason Plumlee was on a value contract. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, mean, like the playmaking. uh, the playmaking that we get from our bigs was it, for the last five years has just been a plus. When they're I think healthy. for the Blazers to succeed long term, they need to start finding some values. And we talked about it last year with Carmelo Anthony. That was a value contract, a minimum player who was able to command the respect he did, provide the intangibles. And yes, he was streaky, but he was a bucket off of the bench. That was a value contract. Portland is in dire need of some value contracts. You can't just keep spending a ton of money on good to pretty good players because it, it adds up. You start to hamstring, uh, you know, tie your hand around the back. 
with the luxury tax and then you don't open up all these other avenues to improve the team. So it just it all goes back to how badly Neil Olshay just really boned the entire city franchise and organization. Like it's it's really incredible when you just sit back and start think, oh yeah, Neil did that. Neil did that. Um, my bad is the hype that I'm seeing from fans on Anthony Simons. I I get it. It's exciting. You have a young player. That's exactly what we've been wanting to see this year, show out and show off. Starting to see people go to the lengths of, well, I'm open to the idea of moving Lillard just because we have Ant. Now, if you want to move Dame because you want to rebuild and you want to get those assets in return for Dame, I understand that. I I think if you're looking to replace Dame with Ant, you're going to be really unhappy really quick. And there's a couple of reasons I want to point that out. The first being is I don't want to take anything away from any player playing the season. I think that feels a little disingenuous and not the tone that I'm going for. But when you factor in the the pandemic and how it has impacted the players coming in and out of health and safety protocols, you're really watching sometimes a lot of glorified preseason basketball. I mean, the skeleton crews that some of these teams are putting out there makes it extremely difficult to evaluate just how effective players are. And we've seen players in the past, whether it was Sharif Abdurrahim on the Grizzlies or Kevin Love on the Timberwolves, you have good players on bad teams, yet when they kind of get to the limelight, they don't look as good as they once did. And Ant right now is playing with house money. No one is expecting the Blazers to win. They've got players in the protocols. They're essentially shutting down, you know, Dame and CJ for for the foreseeable future. And he can go out there and he's just balling. And I think he's making the most of that opportunity. But I just want to kind of reinforce that Dame's done this for at a high level since 2012. And I think he's done it when the stakes were were a lot higher and there was more rhythm to the game. This is the, the most interesting and un predictable season that that I've ever been a part of. So just kind of keep that in in the back of your mind before you're going full, before you're buying up all all of the Anthony stock. My second point to that bad was with the contract. So it's like, okay, Ant is playing himself into a lot of money right now. He's going to be a restricted free agent, which means Portland can match any offer. And you can bet there are teams out there that are going to offer the max And Sage, I don't know about you, but Portland has $91 million next year committed to Dame, CJ, and Norm. Uh, There's no way they can also afford Anthony. So now it just sets up a domino effect of decisions by Joe Cronin. Because if you're dead set on keeping Anthony, which I fully support, then you have to move two of those guys. You have to get off of the books from some of those contracts, especially at the guard position, because you cannot have a hundred plus million on the books for four guards, six, four and under who I think have a tough time playing with one another. So, all right, let, let, let's, let's talk about Ant. Do you think Bradley Beal uh, touches the ball a lot? 
Sage, the Wizards haven't been on TV in like okay. All right, let me. Uh, Demar Derozan. Yes, at, well, Demar Derozan's a usage god. So Stephen Curry, you think yeah. he touches the ball a lot? Anthony Simons is touching the ball just yes. as much as those players right now. So of course he's going to have inflated stats. I mean, this is Ant 2019 last game of the season. Yeah, this is Ant full run. You can do whatever you want. Pass to Yusuf sometimes. You're not getting take out, taken out of the game. You're the reason people are going to the game right now. You, you, he's playing extended minutes with players that I don't find to be that good particularly. So, of course, he is going to be the person that the offense funnels from. First of all, he is not a point guard. Let it like statistically, he is not getting that many assists. He's not making good reads with the ball in his hands. The pass has to be so obvious that this is where the ball is supposed to go, and he'll make the pass. But he is not going to make any Damian Lillard reads, any Cam Thomas of the Brooklyn Nets reads. Cam Thomas right now is a much better playmaker than Anthony Simons and doesn't get paint touches. One of the things that Chauncey Billups has been preaching all year is paint touches and doesn't get to the paint. It's great that he has shown some floater and touch shooting to get to manufacture some paint touches, but he is not acting like a primary ball handler. And I don't think that he is one. I think that he is a secondary. I think that he is a good linking player. So when somebody else creates the advantage, he can link to it and be a positive for the team. I don't think he's ever going to create that initial thing. Yusuf's creating that initial, oh God, we have to guard this 300 pound guy. Let's double him. And then Ant takes advantage. So in a season that actually kind of matters, you're going to have a really bad offense because Ant can't initiate the offense. He's doing really good off catch and shoot, but he is not initiating the offense. So he's a shooting guard that you're trying to put at a a Damian Lillard type of, it's okay if we keep him. Okay, so my question for you then, if he's a shooting guard, he then becomes a 6'4 shooting guard with not known for defensive prowess. Can he grow into a defender at the two? Because I've seen people saying, oh, we've got Damon Ant for the foreseeable future. And I am, I'm not certain those two play well with one another. They both need, they both need the ball in their hands. Yeah. We talked about this a while ago. They like Chauncey Billups is Chauncey Billups realized that those two don't play well together and don't play them together. It was Ant and CJ playing well together. And then it was Norman Dame. When we were fully healthy, that was the rotation. Dame and Norm, CJ, Ant. One thing that I'm kind of excited about, because I think that CJ McCollum is going to play basketball for us this year. Do you agree with that? Uh, I'm not certain. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's in, in the long-term plans. I've heard rumors that they're holding him out because his wife is about to... Uh, give birth to their first child yeah, and, given, and he, and given he should COVID, be there to experience that they want sure. to keep him as far away as possible and i 100 percent support that decision absolutely so, but i think that if, if i were to be whether a, he gets dealt at the deadline i doubt it I, so yeah it, it's one of those weird things though right because like it could be like a pseudo tank where they're like cj basically take this year off we're doing the same thing with dame mm-hmm. but i don't think he's getting moved at the deadline so yes he might play depending on how the team plays but it won't be because he's traded. 
he'll be on the roster. I think that if he plays, it would be interesting to see what Ant, Norm, and CJ can do. And it does does Ant have the ability to put up these numbers with two guys that have more clout and have a longer track record of being good? Because right now it's like Anthony Simons or Dennis Smith Jr. Well, I don't really think Dennis Smith Jr. is that good of a prospect. So, yeah, like Anthony took 51 field goals in the last since Dame's been out. Dennis Smith has taken four. So there's just not that much talent. If we get more talent, I would like to see how Ant does playing off somebody because right now it's just him and he's taking, didn't he take 22 shots to get 21 points? Like that's really Russell Westbrook inefficient. So I'm so super happy that he is doing well right now. I don't think, I, I think he's an off guard that is a linking player. He shoots well. I'm really it's, happy he's doing well, but yeah, it, it's tough because Portland all all of the good players are are six four guards, and I, I tweeted this out. Um, what do you think he can get in a trade? So that's that's what I was going to ask you. I, so I think his value is is incredibly high right now. Any team that trades for him will have his bird rights that they can match any single offer, so they can essentially. Uh, bring him back almost 99% guaranteed unless Ant was like, no, I'm just going to take the qualifying offer. I'll play for you one year, then I'm the bounce. I don't know if Ant would do that if he's going to get a large offer this summer. So for all intent and purposes, he's going to be on whatever team move, uh, trades for him. It, one, it, it depends on on who who trades him. But I think going back to from Portland's perspective, if you have Anthony Simons, you have this prospect you really have to take an honest look at the roster. And, and what I mean by that is I think it, it's, it's a very black and white scenario when it comes to Ant. I think if the team is A, on the books with Dame, they are hell-bent on making a winner with Damian Lillard long-term, you absolutely have to trade Anthony Simons at the deadline, get whatever you can get, stock up on picks, stock up on prospects, and use those to uh, facilitate a, a, a winner for, for Dame. Or B, if you don't think Dame can get it done as the lead guy and you've liked enough of what you've seen from Ant, you go ahead and you sign Ant in the offseason for whatever he, he gets matched, and then you look to move Dame in the offseason as well. I think it's it's as blunt as that because you said Ant's better off ball. Well, Dame needs the ball. Ant needs the ball. Neither of them is going to, you know, their calling card is not on the defensive end of the floor. It's it's going to be Damon CJ 2.0, the, the same gripes and complaints that fans have about that pairing. We're going to see it really soon with, with Lillard and Simons. And, and Anthony is a player that, that needs a lot of run. There are some players that can come in and become instant offense. Uh, Vinnie Johnson from, from the Pistons uh, years back, Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams, Travis Outlaw, if you're looking for a blazer flavor, like some players – thrive off that bench role. Anthony to me has, from what I've seen throughout his career, has always came across as a player that needs to know he's going to be in the game for 30 to 35 minutes. He needs to get into a rhythm. He needs the ball in his hands. He needs to be the lead guard on a team. With that said, you said, what would his role be? I think whatever team that trades for him probably is looking for their their guard of the future, whether that's at the, the two, whether you have maybe a Ricky Rubio 
type of point guard that can play some defense that can hit an open shot or try to continue his maturation process as the one, whether it's a younger team that's looking for a point guard. Um, I think if you're looking for him to come off the bench and be that, that instant offense, I, I just, I don't see it. I, I think he's meant to be a starter. There's just some players that, that need that starting role. Sharif Abdurrahim was one of those players when he came to Portland. Uh, I knew when Portland traded Rashid and they got Sharif Abdurrahim, there was a, a big debate between do you start Zach Randolph or do you start Sharif Abdurrahim? Because back then you needed a legit center and that was Theo Ratliff. So you had these two power forwards and sometimes they would play Sharif at the three. It just wasn't working. They finally decided Zach Randolph is the power forward of the future. We're going to move Raheem. And that's what they had to do because he just, he couldn't get it going off the bench. Some players can't, it's just who they are. And that's, that's completely fine. But anybody who is managing that organization needs to understand that. So I don't think the Blazers are going to try and trade Dame. I think they're going to try and build a winner around him. So if I'm in that mindset, I see what Anthony's doing right now. I sell, I sell really high on, on Ant. And I know it's hard to think of like, oh, of course we get a young prospect and he's playing well, but that's what selling high means. Like you're, you're never going to want to trade. Like nobody's going to want to take Ben McLemore or CJ Ellaby and give us Jeremy Grant, but that's just not how this works. You have to give to get, and you have to, project down the line like okay ants playing well right now is he going to continue to do that who knows you have to but you could get two first round picks or you could get two picks and maybe a prospect that's a three or a four that's going to fit this team long term like this 21 22 blazer team i mean don't think about how it impacts this team you have to think about how it impacts next year or the year after that's what I think that that Cronin's biggest objective has to be is how does this impact Portland in the near future? Because this season is just all about trying to gather an asset, trying to raise the value, probably trying to rebalance the roster and the, the salary sheet, to be honest. What quality of player or pick would it take for you to trade Anthony Simons? I mean, right now, if you could get a team that is bordering on the lottery maybe you could get them to protect it top six top top seven like if, if there's i just keep going back and i know there's not a billy king in this league but portland was able to trade Cheryl wallace and turn it into i think it was a top five protected pick it ended up being six we, we got dame out of, out of that deal and that that season was completely useless it was a veteran-led mutiny that went nowhere in a hurry and there was really no hope like that, that's kind of what, what I feel like there's not a lot of hope around this organization. That pick gave me hope. And then what it turned out to be, it gave Portland and the organization and the fans so much hope getting this young point guard with so much determination out of Weber state. So if you could see if you could get a top seven, top eight protected pick, you know, that, that would go a long way. Um, I'm not saying get Cam Reddish, but if you can get a prospect like that who is at the three or the four where you can start to build up your your forwards and get some size, I think Portland needs size long term. Uh, that that's what that's what I would look for. You know, I I think the tough aspect for Portland again is you mentioned it, Sage. Point guard and center are the two deepest positions in the NBA, and there's not a lot of teams out there that are looking for a lead guard. So even as well as Ant is playing, 
they might be better off keeping him, seeing what they what they can get, and then moving off of they're going to have to move off of Powell and CJ if they keep Anthem. I mean that that's just what it's going to have to be. You you can't pay all of that money to four six four guards because there's not going to be any money for anybody else. Well, and you've seen it like the Brooklyn game was kind of like reminiscent of what Chauncey Billups has been trying to do for long stretches of the time of the game. It was Cam Johnson, uh, Kyrie and Patty Mills. And that's when the Blazers made their run because they had proper sized players. Like it was Nasir going against Cam John or uh, Cam Thomas, who was not a good defensive player. It was like, it, it reminded me and triggered me of how we tried to play when we were fully healthy. So I, I I don't think I could do it to myself where we're rocking these four guards are our future. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. So yeah, man, like I keep looking at the draft and we're probably, we're going to make more content, but if I could get like a Patrick Baldwin jr. Or a Kendall Brown, just a properly sized human being to play the three. I mean, our pick is going to be bad if we trade ant and if we can get the Pacers pick or something, like if they, if they're really thinking, you know what we have Demonis, we have miles, we have Malcolm. I was, I was, I was looking at that. So, you know, just to, you know, we're talking about, Oh, selling high will kind of put my, my, the money where my, where my mouth is like, where are some actual destinations that, that would make sense for, for both, both teams, you know, Indiana was was the team out east that that kind of gravitated to that they've got an older uh, player in Malcolm Brogdon who's out and, and injured and I think they really could use a young guard to play alongside Chris Duarte who doesn't need the ball a lot in his hands Mm-mm. he can score off the bounce he can score uh, catch and shoot he's 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 a really nice fit especially size wise fits in really nicely so Indiana would be a really good fit. Um, Washington down, you know, that they, they could look for a, a young guard. Yeah, I mean, Spencer well. Dinwiddie has been hurt for so long this year. So it's been Bradley Beal playing point. And, guard. and I think if the player like Dinwiddie, he could thrive off of the bench, right? Like he, he can, he can swing he's, both. He, he's been playing at every position for so long. So it wouldn't like, it wouldn't demoralize him because he did it with Kyrie. He did it with all these other players in Brooklyn. And I mean, but that's, out west is where it really gets tough. Um, what about? I mean, the Clippers desperately need a, a, a playmaker uh, and a point guard, but they they gave all their picks away to Oklahoma City. They don't really have the assets there that a Portland would be looking for. Uh, Dallas would would seemingly be a nice fit, but defensively would be questions with with Luca and Ant. They would both be ball dominant. The only benefit is Luca gives you more size than, than Lillard does. And Brunson playing all right. Brunson's playing, yeah. I, so I don't know if that's that's Philadelphia or Dallas. Tyrese Maxey, I think, is kind of negating a lot of these trades because of his his play and his uh, potential. Um, I would have said New Orleans, but they still have Kyra. Uh, Lewis Jr., even though he is out for the season. Devontae. And you have Devontae. I, I mean, Devontae is just so much of a better player than Ant. I, I I don't think that those two are on the same level of... I mean, New Orleans needs a point guard. Devontae is the, cl- is the closest thing to a point guard since Drew Holiday got traded. Like, he, he can actually bend the defense. So, like, if Ant 
Ant's 75th percentile outcome is Devontae Graham, I think. And I don't know if New Orleans is willing to give away assets for someone that they already have. Um, what about what was your so that was a long ant uh segment? That was just my my bad is that he's playing himself into too big of a contract for Portland to really take on. Uh, what, what, what was your bad for the week? Mm. I mean, to see uh, Norman Powell get COVID was pretty was pretty bad, especially since with the with CJ and Dame out, he finally was getting the usage he deserves. Like, you know, it starts with Dame and CJ and then goes to Norm and then Norman Yusuf. And now it's Ant getting the usage. So he was really getting, he was getting run and getting treated like the $16 million player that he is. So seeing him get COVID, seeing uh, uh, Kelly Uber getting COVID. So seeing players getting COVID, I think was bad, but you know, it's starting to feel it like, a few weeks ago, I was feeling like April basketball with all of these random yahoos being uh, in the rotation. And I think it's cool. Like we talked about Indiana, Kiefer, Kiefer Sykes, like never got a chance at the NBA. I kind of think it's dope to see all these young guys that get finally get a chance to play in the league. Like I don't want to see Boogie Cousins play for another team. He's had his time in the sun. I'd rather see guys like Kiefer Sykes get run. But I think, I mean, COVID's still going to be an issue, um, but it wasn't as rampant as it has been in the past. So that was my bad. My bad, actually not my ugly, was this goes back a month and almost a half. So back on November 30th, we were on this podcast talking about Portland having 15 of 19 at home. And at the time, looking at, at, at the schedule, they were hovering around 500. They, they were 10 and 11, and they were 10 and 1 at home. Since then, 14 and 11 at home. Uh, they, they went 5 and 10 at home. That was their, I think, lifeline when we were talking early on about, okay, the team is dominant at home abysmal on the road, if they can have a really strong holiday month going into the new year, maybe they'll be able to figure some things out on the road and, and take advantage of what I still believe is a down Western conference. Uh, you've got Dallas sitting there at fifth, just four games above 500. However, it didn't go that way. Portland, uh, whether it was through injury, the protocols, they had some rough batches with their, their coaches, a couple of blowouts in there against the, the Celtics and the Spurs. And now they face, I think, a pretty unenviable task of going out on the road. They've only played 15 road games uh, so far this year. I believe that is the, the fewest in the entire Western Conference tied with Toronto for the fewest played to date in the entire NBA. So there's 26 more road games to come at almost the halfway point. Uh, the next game will be the 41st game of the season. So you're looking at, you know, a lot of games on the road. And I thought it was an opportunity for Portland, if they were playing to win this season, to really make up some ground and be there with Memphis and Dallas for that that, that home court advantage 
Um, it just wasn't meant to be. And I think that's why we are seeing um, Dame sit out for an extended period, CJ sit out for an extended period, just taking, you know, the utmost caution with injuries with Larry Nance and his non-contact uh, knee injury, which, you know, he is going to be reevaluated in, I think now four to five days uh, after, after we heard about that. So it's just, I feel like for the second year in a row, the Western conference has really been there for any team that just kind of wants to take it and, and run with it. We saw Phoenix do it last year, golden state and Phoenix are doing it this year. And by no means do I think those teams are God squads. Like I think they're just legitimately good basketball teams, but it, it's not the, the warriors, uh, even pre KD, like it's, it's not the Lakers with, with AD and Braun in, in 2020. Like it's, I still feel like it's up for grabs and there could be a few teams coming out of, of, of the conference. And it just, it wasn't meant to be for Portland. I think that's one of the reasons why I've, I've been pretty adamant about getting a good draft pick this year and kind of starting over, because if you're not able to take advantage when opportunity is knocking this loudly, like when are you ever going to be? So th- that was my, my ugly for the week yourself. I was going to mention the uh, away games and how, you know, we uh, we didn't take advantage of opportunities that were presented, but you wrapped it up really well. Um, Transitioning from ugly to something that I didn't have enough space to fit into my good for the, the week, but I remember you discussing how teams are really sagging off of Nasir Little. Oh, have uh, you seen some of the clips? I, all I'm saying... <laughs> Shooting 44% from three in the month of January. So I think the repetition that he is getting is going to turn him into a, a, a knockdown shooter. I is saw he going to be a league average shooter when it's all said and done? Oh, absolutely. He's got too much of a work ethic as long as he stays healthy. He, he When he first came into the league to what his jump shot looks like now, it's it's very impressive. Like I, I've said it multiple times on this podcast. It reminds me a lot of what we saw from Will Barton. I worked for the team when Will Barton was first and second year player in Portland. And we would try to get content of like, okay, Will Barton's at the, at the practice facility at midnight. Can we go in there and film him? Like, what can we, like, he is just in there all the time shooting on the ball machine and putting in the hours in the repetition. And it's, it's there. Will Barton is a really damn good shooter. Now I see a lot of the same things in Will that I do in this year. Um, the only thing stopping this year are these like freak setbacks. So hopefully he's able to have a clean bill of health the rest of his career, because I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-star. I mean, Will Barton's probably never going to be, but Will Barton is a damn important piece to that Nuggets puzzle when, when they're it's fully like healthy. their second best player right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think Nasir Little is easily a, a starting caliber player on a championship team. May not be the third or fourth best. He could be, he, but he could damn near be a fifth best player on a championship caliber team. And you have him cost controlled for a couple more years. Um, so I, I would really like to see how he can continue to improve uh, because if you can get a good value three and D player with his hustle and heart and his energy, that's exactly what Portland needs is to continue to find those players that do other things than put, have the ball in their hands. One thing I really liked about Nasir in this last uh, week and a half was with Dame CJ and Norman out when he gets the rebound, he doesn't look to outlet he runs and to have a guy that with that athletic ability and just fucking yeah, with that athletic athletic ability running straight to the rim. It's really impressive. And the catch and shoot 
has been looking a lot better. They still don't respect him at all. Cause I was looking at even today and it was just like, uh, KD would just sag off. Actually, one of the funniest things I remember from this week was, oh man, it was against the Cavaliers. And did we have everybody, like we had Larry Nance playing that. Oh, we didn't. There was like in the second quarter, it was like the bad lineup, like Dennis Smith. Uh, you insert the bad players in your mind, <laughs> but like, the Cavaliers lost all sense of structure on defense, and it was like three guys just guarding the ball and letting the Blazers' bad players try and attempt to shoot it. It was hilarious. It was like, I know you don't play rec in NBA 2K, but like when they see a weakness, they'll just send three guys at a player and like, okay, level 70, try and hit an open three. That's how the Cleveland Cavaliers were playing us. So, yeah, I, the, 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 uh, Teams still don't respect the uh, the shot, but I, I I've noticed a very quick trigger with Nasir recently. He's been playing really well, and I know like injuries and foul trouble has limited his uh, playing time in the last few days. But if he can get thirty four minutes, I think that's going to be super beneficial. And in case people didn't know, I'm Team Tank. But if we can win games with Nasir contributing heavily, I'm all right with. Us winning games if it's Nasir or Ant, like Ant for the trade value and Nasir development. If those two are huge components of a win, that's great. Like I get to see players that we actually drafted doing doing well. So yeah, ha- having Nasir have that quick trigger, being really aggressive, downhill type of athlete is really nice to see because we don't have one. That he is the only guy that's well, I guess Dennis Smith, but. I don't want to see Dennis Smith head down going straight at the rim because he got he today he tried to dunk it on Duran Sharp from like almost the free throw line. And when he hit Duran, he just fell. So like to see Nasir head down going aggressive is really cool because the this shooting is the best way to create spacing. But if you have an athlete going straight to the rim, defenses are going to notice him going to the rim. And I think Nasir is the reason, I mean, you and I had a a conversation about this today where you wanted Sadiq Bey and I like, and I said, uh, Jeremy Grant is a better prospect. Sadiq Bey don't have the wheels that Nasir does. And I like that, the, the athleticism that he shows is tantalizing, bro. It is so tantalizing. And that's why I didn't want Sadiq was because it would impact Nas, but like to see that, to see how athletic he is with the ball in his hands. I don't care if we don't have any talented players, if he can just be more aggressive, because that's going to help him for the future. Just these reps. So you mentioned Jeremy Grant. I think that's a good segue into our fan question. We got from at Matterday 24 on Twitter wants to know, are there multiple scenarios of players or trades you would make as general manager for Jeremy Grant? And I, I went, to ESPN, the trade checker, trade machine. And, and I did come up with a trade. Uh, let me preface this by saying, I know Shams came out with a report today about the Blazers still being a possible suitor for Jeremy Grant. I would steer clear of that. We talked about players needing to be, they have to be paid, I think, to win. 
based upon their value in the starting lineup. Jeremy Grant gets paid like a second or third option. I think he's in a, a pretty good fourth and elite fifth option. I think you're going to overpay for someone that's not going to raise the ceiling very high. He'll, he'll raise the floor, but that ceiling's not going to go high enough to win a championship. I also, oddly enough, he reminds me a lot of his father, Harvey Grant. Harvey Grant was putting up buckets for the Washington Bullets prior to getting traded to the Blaze. We moved Duckworth for Harvey Grant. Harvey Grant came to Portland and just stunk it up, was not an impact player whatsoever. I'm not saying that would happen with Jeremy Grant, but his role in Denver was where I would want him and mm-hmm. at that contract. He doesn't I don't, want that. I don't want to pay Jeremy Grant $20 million, and he's only got another year left on his deal, to come in and try and be the second option. He is not good enough to be the second option. So th- that's my personal take on Jeremy Grant. I don't, I think Portland needs to look, if you want to win, you need to look bigger. Like you need top 10, top 15, top guys to play with Dame, not these fringe players. So with, with that said, I think there is one avenue. For me, to the uh, first round pick is a non-starter. And I think that's the only way it gets done. Um, unfortunately. So if we're, so being it doesn't realistic, get done. <laughs> if, if we're being realistic, this is the trade that I, that I see working out. First of all, you have to get Chicago on the phone. Unfortunately, Neil Olshay decided to trade our first round pick this year, lottery protected until 2028 for Larry Nance Jr. So Chicago owns that pick. So I think you have to get Chicago on the line and you have to say, Hey, we'll give you Larry Nance Jr. You give us back that first round pick and you throw in the contract of Derek Jones Jr. to Detroit. We cannot take DJJ back. Okay, to Detroit, you're sending the expiring contract of Robert Covington. They're getting the expiring contract of Derek Jones Jr. They're getting a prospect in this year. Little Portland is going to have to pay up to get that. And you're going to have to send two first round picks. You can send it in 2023 and in 2025 because if Portland is getting their own pick back, they can now move picks like right now. Portland cannot trade first round picks. It is tied up for the next eight years assuming or next six years, assuming they continue to make the playoffs that, that the inability to have that flexibility is just a killer in terms of trade talks, especially when teams want young prospects and picks for their talented guys. Like there, there's a reason talented players are on the market is when teams are doing a 180, they're hitting the reset button and they're going in a completely different direction. It's, it's not 2k where you're saying, this player is an 82 overall, I'll give you an 81 and a second round pick. It's not like that. If Detroit is truly open to moving Jeremy Grant, they're going to want picks. They're going to want expiring contracts and they're going to want prospects. I don't think that offer really does a whole lot for Detroit. I do think it's, I think the picks too is the max they're going to get out of Grant. I don't know if Nasir Little does a lot for them. They they have, they have Sadiq, they have Hammy, like there's it, player, they have players that are like it, it, it's not a good trade partner, and it also hurts that Portland has to get Chicago involved. That there's no other way around it. And what does Chicago get for this? Chicago is Larry Nance Jr. Because Patrick Williams is out for the year. They haven't made the playoffs in quite a long time. They're looking. They could come out of the East. So it mm-hmm. it could be. They're not giving up their own first round pick. They're just giving up Portland's. They could be a team. And they may not even get Portland's pick this year. So there's a lot of things. So teams, yeah, I feel I, I think that's fair value. I don't um, like I it for us. No, I don't like it for us either. That's what I'm saying. It, it's a hard trade to execute. Um, 
And I, I don't think Jeremy Grant is, is the, the fit there. I, I think what Portland should be doing this, this deadline is ensuring their expiring contracts don't go for, don't go for waste. I think you need to get some value. If you, if you don't plan on re-signing Covington and Nurkic, you have to move them. You have to get some resemblance of value under Neil O'Shea's watch. This franchise continuously let players go for nothing time and time and time again. And it's, it's an absolute crusher um, when you can't recoup any sort of, of value. The other aspect of this is Portland needs to recoup some draft capital. Uh, you're, you're talking about a player like Jeremy Grant or Miles Turner or whoever is out there. You need picks to get these deals done. Portland has really nothing left in, in that in that war chest. And then if you can, grab a prospect or two. Um, th- what I've read so far from insiders is there could be a, a bidding war for Covington, Nurkic, Powell. The Lakers have been rumored to be interested in Norma Powell. Like, I think a lot of teams are seeing what I'm seeing. They're probably seeing what you're seeing as well. This NBA title is up for grabs. And there, it's very unpredictable with how the future of the pandemic looks. But no team, not even Brooklyn, because Kyrie can't play home games. He just can't unless he gets the shot. So you're looking at a landscape where there are four, five, six, seven teams that could say, yeah, we, we can win that title. And Sage, as a Blazer fan who hasn't seen his team in the finals since 1992, the franchise hasn't won a championship since 77, if you legitimately say we are one of eight teams that legitimately has a shot, yeah, go ahead and maybe pay a little bit extra for a Nurk or a Covington if you think that's going to get it done. You and mentioned Portland, BK. And Portland yeah. needs to, to sit back and just watch everybody. Like, don't jump the gun. These are probably going to be some deals that happen right up mm-hmm. until the deadline. You wait for the best offer. Cronin needs to be patient. And if he is... There's going to be a lot to be thankful for, you know, come, you know, Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like with with how we just played Brooklyn, so it's really easy in my mind to think about it. We just punished them in the paint. I mean, that's how we got the lead in the first quarter. They have no really good bigs. Nick Claxton is probably a four. Marcus has played really well, but he's not going to be able, be able to handle the punishment. Yusuf could help them win a championship. He the, the Brooklyn are going to have to go through uh, Milwaukee. Yusuf could help them beat Milwaukee or Chicago or Chicago. Like Yusuf is going to be able to defend Boose. Like Robert Covington's going to help a good team. He's he, he's helping us. He's played really well in these last few games. Maybe not having Larry Nance breathing down your neck got him to relax a little bit. I got to say something about Robert Covington this game, though. His shot selection's atrocious. It's been Fuck atrocious it. since he's came here, dude. Bro, it, like, it was offensive to my eyes. Like, there uh, to close the half, I think it was, like, 45 seconds, so you could, in theory, do a two-for-one. He took, like, a Dame Lillard three with, like, three seconds left where we could have worked for something better to have the two for one just fucking launched it and then there was one sh- and he bricked obviously he bricked and then there was another where patty mills was just in his jersey like he shot it and made it which is great and it was a really clutch moment but my god he doesn't take open shots but he will take heavy contested shots like 
I, I don't get it, but you know what? If he can take, if he has the confidence and help himself to shoot, he could help Milwaukee. He could help. I mean, like, he's better than Patrick Cottenton, and he's better than a lot of those players. Like, Bobby he Portis could, is their only big. of the Knicks. Dude, I'm, I feel sorry for Julius Randle. He's, he's, Tibbs, he's another Tibbs victim, man. And the Knicks, will, you have to find those teams that are desperate to win and just take them for all they're worth. Cron, if Cronin's patient, he lets this play out. Sage, I, I don't think it would surprise us if, if Covington and Nurkic are moved. Who is one player on this team, maybe two, that you would be honestly wholeheartedly surprised if Joe Cronin moves them at the deadline? Damian Lillard excluded from this conversation. Ben McLemore because no one wants him <laughs> or Tony Snow because no one wants him I feel like everybody's up for gra- like every real basketball nobody player would surprise gra- you I I would be CJ surprised would probably play. be who my, my big CJ McCollum yeah, like him getting traded played. I think he gets tra- if he gets traded it's at the in the summer it's not now yeah I agree it, with that to increase like who's the worst team in the NBA uh magic Next year, Magic and think a CJ McCollum mixed with Cole Anthony could get them something. Right now, they're thinking about the first overall pick. They're thinking about Paolo. Like, if you're going to trade them, do it when the value is at the maximum and teams are thinking they can actually compete. Now, teams are really realizing, like, we're not really that good. They're not going to buy CJ McCollum. To me, it's Norman Powell. I was surprised to see that he was even out there or that teams were even like calling about him just because players that usually sign as free agents don't get moved in in their first year. And he's, he's got four more years left on his deal. Um, I know you're a big norm guy. What would you want if if Portland gets a good offer from norm? What does it look like? And what does it have to be for, for you to be like, okay, but that's, that's a good lottery pick and a usable player. I love Norman Powell, but if he can get me, if he can get me AJ Griffin, I'm fine with it. I think what it all comes down to, and I, I think we've all seen the three guard lineup does not work. I think we, we any Blazer fan can can come into agreement with that. I think more Blazer fans are now willing to try Damon Ant than they are the three guard lineup. And then when you have Ant playing as well as he is and still showcasing some potential. You're like, okay, then where does Norm fit in? We, we've all heard that Norm doesn't really play well off the bench. That's That came from Toronto fans. We haven't seen it in Portland because Terry put him right in at the three. Chauncey started him right in, the th- right in the three to start this season as well. So you're paying $18 million a year. You don't really want to pay Norm to come off the bench. You don't want to pay Anthony a lot of money to come off the bench. So in a way it wouldn't surprise me, but it, it just, it kind of is. And I would say if Portland does end up moving norm, it's 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 taken me to some weird flashbacks of Gerald Wallace. We we moved two first round picks, Prisbilla and Dante Cunningham in the 2011 season. We get Gerald Wallace and we're like, okay, this this guy is gonna be a huge piece. He was just a, a all-star of the season prior. And we had that great series with the Mavs in 2011. It was Dirk's run. They beat us in six. Okay. We can, the team's going to bounce back. I know Brandon's not coming back. But then the team went downhill so quick and suddenly, kind of what's happening this year, 
and they moved him at the deadline. So we never got one full season of Gerald Wallace. So it's like, yeah, he was a blazer, but it was such, it was, he really a, a blazer blazer and kind of getting that vibe from, from norm. So it would really, it almost 10 years too, 10 years to the, to the day. Um, so, so that, that would be one. Well, I, I mean, like Cronin, if, if they traded Norman Powell, this is Cronin's way of saying that that trade for Gary Trent Jr. was wrong. And we're making up for it by getting a player of equal value. So, like, again, I, I think Norman Powell's a positive contract. So, yeah. if, you're gonna, if you're going to take the uh, positivity out of it, yeah, I mean, if we can get a, a lottery pick and a youth, like, I don't know if this is possible. But if uh, Memphis wanted to trade Dylan Brooks and one of their picks for this year for Norman Powell, I would do it in a second. Yeah, I don't I, think I, Dylan Brooks is particularly that great of a of a player because of Dylan Brooks's mentality. But I would do that in a second. I think it all comes down to there. It comes down to, just like with Ant with, with Norman Powell one. Do you believe that he is a, a really good fit next to Dame? Not just a good fit, like you're you're willing to ride with a Dame Norm backcourt. If and it's almost like a flow chart. If the answer is yes, then you move on to the next question. The next question is: do you think the rest of the assets the Blazers have is good enough to put around a Dame Norm backcourt? And, and if if you're even hesitating about those, then I think you really have to move on. Like there, it, it's no, no feelings hurt, no no judgment, but Neil really boned this franchise that you have to undo so many other moves to get some semblance of positive roster construction and roster balance where Mm -hmm. players complement one another at a high level. That's what the great teams do. And this is all obviously rooted in the idea that Portland is dedicated to building around Damian Lillard for the next two to three seasons. I think that Dame and Norm work. I think they work relatively well. But three through five don't work with Dame. So I, I think Norman Powell, out of the options that are presented to us, works the best. They're different enough. Like Ant and CJ and Dame, their skill set, they're all playmaking shot creators if we're going to bring out archetypes. Norm's probably a uh, playmaking slasher or just a slasher. Yeah. Floor spacing slasher if we're going in 2K terms. So they're different. Yeah, I, would, they I wouldn't call different. him a playmaker. Not at this point in his career. I think he's okay. I think he's a better passer than Ant. Okay, but that doesn't mean he's a playmaker. <laughs> no, no, no. He does what like, he does well. He's a, I think, at worst, a net neutral defender, a slasher, and, and a, a spacer. Yeah, floor spacing slasher. I mean, that works with what Dame is good at. Those two, like, I remember Neela saying, like, Dame and CJ are too similar. I think Norm and Dame are very compatible as a backcourt mate. I wish Norm was taller, but beggars can't be choosers, can they? I mean, I I just go back to the great teams uh, of the past in Portland. I just got done reading the Jerome Kersey book. I got that for a secret Santa from, from my work, and the reason that team worked is because everybody understood their role. Everyone complimented one another. You knew that Clyde and Terry were going to take the lion's share of the shots. You knew that that duck was going to get plays ran for him. 
Buck Williams and Kersey were cool with never having a play ran for them. They made their own offense. Buck threw the rebounds, Kersey getting on the break and hitting the occasional open jumper. They understood what they needed to do and, and they fit. They had size. They had the, the, the right temperament. They had the right mindset, the right mentality. Portland needs to take that holistic approach when, when building a team. And that's why it's so hard when you say, okay, we, we have Dame. Now, when you like only having one of those five like in place is so is such a, a tough position to start in. Like you're really starting from from the from the from the if you're running a hundred yard dash, you're, you're 10, maybe 15, 15 yards down the line. Like there's so much more to go. There's so much more work to be done. And it's not like you can just, you know, obviously a top 10 player eradicates a lot of those, those needs and fits because talent trumps all in the NBA, but there's not a top 10, top 15 player that's coming through the door. So you have to start to slowly, but surely do it. And unfortunately Portland doesn't have the time that it takes to, to build that competitive roster. You know, I go back to that example. Drexler was drafted in 83. Kersey drafted in 84. Porter drafted in 85. They traded for Kevin Duckworth early on in the 86 season. Then they had to wait all the way until the summer of 89 to get Buck. So that's a six year. We don't have six years. No, there you don't have really three. You probably got two after this year. You probably have two to be completely honest. I don't know what you're going to get from Dame after 35. LeBron's a freak. I mentioned LeBron. LeBron's a freak. I think 35 is when you really have to, I think Chris Paul is probably another outlier that he could look at. But I think that those two, okay, this might sound disrespectful to Dame, but I think those two are the smartest players of a generation. Like I've had the pleasure of watching Chris Paul for a long time. Not that many people are basketball geniuses like Chris or LeBron. And Chris also has a better team. I mean, yeah, to like, be honest, he doesn't. Chris doesn't have to be the best player on, on every. Chris single doesn't night. have to play thirty minutes a night if he doesn't oh, need to. Like Cameron to Payne's good enough. Devin Booker's good enough. Aiton, do we Crowder? win a game if Dame plays twenty eight minutes? Very infrequently. It has to, to be an outlier night do, from somebody else. All you have to do is go back to Game Five against Denver. Fifty five points. Not enough. I mean, that wasn't enough. And that was, that was an incredible performance. So Denver now is weaker than that team. (laughs) Does does Norm work for you? If does Damon Norm work enough for you to say, I'm cool with keeping Norman. I wouldn't just give away Norman. Uh, I think he's a player that's going to continue to hold his value steady. I, I am more of the mind of, if you get a good value for any player, you need to do it right now. Like I, I think Dame's the one player where you really have to pause because you, if you do trade Dame, you want to make sure it's of the Anthony Davis variety where you just get that, that Godfather package. You, you can't, you can't sell Dame short that that that's too hard to do to a fan base. It, it's almost, it's, it's very damageable, but outside of Dame, I, I think you look at, Norm's not in that that Covington Nurkic mold where you're afraid of losing him for nothing. You you can hold on to him and he's going to continue to hold value. You can hold on to him until the trade deadline of his last year. But I I do think it, it really depends on what you want to do though with, with with Dame. Like if you're if if Joe Cronin says we're going to try and win with Dame, then I don't just move Norm for a pick. 
because I do think he can be decent enough. But if you're able to get a player of Norm's caliber at the three or the four, I think you do it because you have other guards, even though they don't fit as well with Dame. Like the Blazers need size in, in the worst way. And sometimes you have to trade a player like Norm to get that size. But we were so good with Mo and Aminu because I know they weren't the caliber of Kersey and Williams, but they knew their role. They they provided length. They provided defense. They provided open shot making at times. Like they didn't complain about the shots that they that they didn't get or that they did get. You just you can't win with Norm playing the three. And I, I just I fear that once CJ comes back, they're not going to bench CJ. And then how are you going to bench Ant if if everyone comes back? So there's just so many unknowns. I do think we're going to get some answers. Um, but if you can really like, I think Houston fleeced us for Rob. Those, those two picks for for Cub and, and Ariza was one of the worst deals Portland's made looking back. If you can do that with, with, with Norm Powell to another team, I, I yes. If you can get two picks for him, hell yeah. What if about like the Kings want to win, to make it to a playoffs real bad. Like if you can get Harrison and a pick, would you do it? Harrison Barnes. Yeah. You think, you think they'd give us Harrison Barnes and a pick? Oh man. I was going to say Terrence Davis, but that didn't feel like enough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, if any, any unprotected pick, I'm good. I mean, it's any unprotected pick, like, well, any team that's like hovering, like you don't want the bucks unprotected pick, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but like, what, I, what I just say is like, I'm open to business. If I'm the GM, I'm give, give me a call. Like there's, you know, Give me an offer I can't refuse. So Norm Powell to Washington for KCP and their pick. Ooh. Is it unprotected? Sure. Yeah, I think he rolled the dice on that. I don't think it's going to be uh, as juicy as the, the the Brooklyn pick or the New Jersey pick in, in 2012. Oh, no, no, no. But, that, that That's like a once-in-a-lifetime offer. But you look right now. The Wizards are playing 500 ball. I have a feeling the Celtics are going to catch them. I think the Hawks will catch them eventually. You don't make it into the play-in. Like, the lottery odds, like, it all goes back. I think anytime you get a a decent chance at the lottery, and by decent, I mean, like, 9, 10, 11. Anytime you get a decent chance, you kind of grab it. It reminds me a lot of, and this is back to dunking on Neil O'Shea again, Neil O'Shea trades Baron Davis in a salary cap dump to the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2011 for an unprotected pick. Cavs weren't... You know, it didn't seem like, oh, no, they gave up their own pick to, to do that dump. Well, what happens is the Clippers finish like eighth or ninth, and the Cavs end up winning the lottery with that pick. They get Kyrie Irving out of it. Like, could you imagine if if that happened for, for – even if you didn't, like, I think having the eighth or ninth pick in a draft is going to help Net Portland a better player overall than, than Norm. And also, don't forget – if Portland can get under the luxury tax, they will open up that mid-level exception. So you can find another guard. And honestly, I know he doesn't play the best defense, but in a pinch, if you need Ben McLemore to be that, that starting two, he's a catch and shoot, lower usage. I know you're shaking your head. I know. But if you're able to shore up the three, four, and five at a high level, I think that, again, you're going to have to do a little bit of giving and taking. No, I, I, he would be like the... Nick Batum starter, but that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. his rookie year. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's, he's going to be feast or famine. Like, there's going to be nights where he's but the feast or famine with Anthony Simons too. At, at a much low, so, so my thing is like, Ant right now at that contract feast or famine, fantastic. Once you get paid though, you need that consistency. What about Norm Powell to our old buddies Denver for their first round pick and someone? So Denver is out without Michael Porter Jr. probably for the year. We don't know when they're going to get Murray back. They need talent. Oh, they obviously need talent. Mm. Can I get Bones Highland? I would love it. Yeah, I mean, like... (laughs) We're not as... Like, I have Norm's poster (laughs) on my wall but directly behind me. I'm willing to trade him for a chance at Johnny Davis and Bones Highland. (laughs) I, I like Norman Powell. I have no qualms with, with, with Norm. I This is I, such an unstructured show. <laughs> hasn't the season been unstructured though? Fair enough. Yeah. All right. I'm just same. looking at first round pick. Like what about Cleveland's first? See, that's a team that I would target. Um, I don't think they I want would to win make the playoffs. They're a good I team. I wouldn't give up norm for that late pick but i think that's a team you target for like uh i'm not saying that they're going to want this player but like a robert covington because they've suffered i mean devastating shit, Lowry's their small forward so it'd yeah, be... they they definitely want to win they, they feel like they've got enough building blocks with garland and uh evan mobley they've lost rubio they've lost sexton for the year they, they want to make the, they want to make the playoffs so i think that's a team like Maybe yeah. If Maybe we could, get, if we could swindle the twenty first overall pick for Robert Covington, I'd be fucking. Psyched. I'd be through the roof, through <laughs> the roof. We'd be doing two future Fridays. And, I mean, just, oh yeah, we we would be talking about second round picks. We'd be doing so much goddamn content. <laughs> All right, Sage. So the Blazers kick off a. They have an upcoming six game road trip. We're looking at six games in. 10 days so it is a tough trip they go denver washington orlando miami boston and toronto the two games we will discuss that happened this week thursday against the denver nuggets on tnt and then saturday at the washington wizards in dc uh you mentioned the the denver nuggets earlier in just kind of hypothetical trade talks they are sitting sixth in the western conference right now 20 and 18 just nine and seven at home could be a product of the unconventional season. They do have a lot of players out, but one player they do have, and it gave Portland fits. Nikola Jokic, this team really humbled Portland the last time they were in Denver. Uh, what do you see going into this game? Uh, obviously, it's going to be the same cast of characters for the Blazers, shorthanded down four starters, but they seem to fight. Well, I think that the I, I don't want to just say the reason that we won was that no uh that uh Yusuf established dominance over those bigs but it certainly helped i don't think that Yusuf is going to do that against Jokic. i mean Jokic I, is ha- playing better now than he did in his mvp i feel like ever since the blazers kicked denver out of the postseason i think it was nurk's first year during nurk fever when he was like had the interview it's the gift like I love it. Like after sending like happy, I wish the Nuggets a happy summer. I feel like every time after that, Jokic is just giving Nurkic the business. And uh, oh, I'm sure that, that that shit talk motivates. Yeah. I, I just feel like Nurk 
tries to get on Jokic's level with these fancy passes. And we see it even more so in these Denver games. And it's just not like Jokic is a unicorn, like a true unicorn. So that you're right. That's going to be the matchup. If Portland is to, to be competitive, Nurkic has to somewhat neutralize the, the reigning MVP. Yeah. I mean, like Denver is so, such a bad team. Like Michael Porter Jr. is out, out for a long ass time. I think he's out for the season. Yeah. Like maybe part of next. Maybe career. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's a Brandon Roy type of injury. It's a shame that this roster wasn't ever be able to be healthy because I think they, they would be one of those championship contenders if they were healthy. It's almost like the rise of those Blazers with LaMarcus, Brandon, and, and Greg. Like there's yeah. a lot of potential there, but they, they can't. Or the AD, Ryan Anderson, Drew Holiday, Hornets. <laughs> we we never got a chance to see it. Um, but I mean, yeah, you and three others. <laughs> Shout out to everybody. Um, <laughs> Shout out to all the Ryan Anderson fans circa 2012. Oh, man. I wasn't the only one. There was no way that I was the only one that loved him. Sage is the 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 chief CEO of the Rhino Hive. <laughs> I was. I was. I am. I still am. <laughs> um, what the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> How oh uh I I, I you, you were talking about how it was a shame the Denver Nuggets young yeah, big three well, really I, never got a chance together. I mean, yeah, like they did a really good job of constructing a really good team. I, I mean, I, I think that the main thing is Jokic versus Nurkic. If he can if he can just make him human for like for this particular game, I think we win. But that is such a big if. Jokic is like a walking 70 point fantasy night. Like he is so damn good. So, it, I mean, it, it, it's, it's that like, can ant manufacture enough points to keep us in it and can Yusuf defend Jokic? I mean, I think this is just like, I, I know they're dinged up, but they have still legitimate NBA players on, on their roster. Like Monty Morris and Austin rivers gave us the business. Uh, last postseason, they still have Compazzo. They 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 still have Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, like Jeff Green if he's healthy. Jeff Jeff Green had 16 points in their in their last game uh, off the bat. I don't know why more teams do not have Jeff Green. Like he if I know Covington may be the most like valuable. Bro, I wrote a blog about this. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know why Jeff Green keeps getting bounced around. Like he is a missing piece in my eyes for a lot of teams. So who's the other Green? Not Draymond. Yeah, Jamichael is playing some good men. Like he, he's starting for them right now. Yeah, he's been. They got some talent, but it's all it's all about you. Okay, if, if we can contain him, we win. I don't think we do. And then up comes the congratulations. You'll be able to see this game on TV. Yeah, finally. <laughs> when they created this schedule, they thought this was going to be a good game. Well, I think when they <laughs> created the schedule, they thought they were going to get a lot of good games. <laughs> Up next is the Washington Wizards, a team that we just discussed. They are at 500, hanging on in that play-in out east. They got off to that red-hot start, have came back down to earth just a bit, but they got players saved. That, that Did you, have you seen how Kyle Kuzma's been playing? 
He's been balling. He had 27, he got 22 rebounds a few days ago. 20, no, yeah, 27 and 22 in a two-point victory over the Magic. Uh, shot over 50% from the field. And, yeah, absolutely looked incredible. They have a huge starting point guard and, and Dinwiddie. Size on the wings with Caldwell Pope. Obviously, Bradley Bill has given Portland the business. Denny Avdi has a good defender. They've got they've got young players. Um, I, I, do you think that Yusuf is going to be able to bully Daniel Gafford? Maybe. I mean, I don't see why. I mean, if, if I think the if he doesn't, then that's again a, a big. I wouldn't put this game all on Yusuf, but yeah, he should win that individual individual matchup uh, against. Uh, Gafford. What I would be interested in watching the most, though, is there, there's two. I think you probably put Nasir either on because they they play small. So I I don't know if Nasir is going to get the assignment on Bradley Beal or if he's going to get the assignment on Kuzma. But I want to see how he Kuzma Kuzma's in the backup center, bro. <laughs> yeah, and then I also want to know how Anthony's going to do going up against a taller point guard. Uh, you know, he was able to get biz against you know Trey Young and the abysmal Atlanta Hawks. And then he gave work to Kyrie tonight, but how is he going to handle a little bit of size um, out there on, on the perimeter? Because they also can throw KCP at him. And, and Avdia, like they have wing defenders that can really make his life miserable. I mean, I know this is a, you know, a bad way to put it, but I feel like, like we might win the point guard matchup. We'll probably win the center matchup then everything else is just easily Washington. I know that that's just like the, the way I thought of things when I was eight, but like, I feel like Washington's still competing for something and two wins is great, but we're pretty, we're struggling pretty hard. We're on the struggle bus. I feel like Washington should, and it's in DC, right? Yep. Next six games are on the road. So they're at their home court. They're at their, their space. They're playing for something. They should come out really energized and ready to play. And I don't know how we stop Bradsville. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough team to kind of know what you're going to get on a nightly basis. Uh, two wins, I think one a little bit more unexpected than the other. But, you know, don't have such a short memory when it comes to this roster. that They still lost to New Orleans by 14 um, with a lot of people down and they lost by 33 to the Lakers on new year's Eve. So they haven't played on the road. It'll be almost two weeks by the time that they set foot in mile high city. Um, it, it's a, it's a venue that is not treated Portland kindly. And do you, you think Carm plays in Washington with the COVID protocols? I, I don't know how they're, I don't know how it works when a team's on a road trip. Usually I always thought they just waited until they got home. Um, traveling, home. Traveling feels like you're exposing him more. I, I don't know if they're trying to pseudo tank. I I, I just I, I I don't know. If if I were to guess, probably he ends up joining them somewhere. I mean, Rondo did. Yeah, so it, it, there's a precedent for it. Yeah, I mean, so, Norm would help this team win a game against Washington because he could slow down Bradley a little bit. I mean. This is going to be a tough road trip because the going to Canada thing is also kind of. You're not going to play in front of a lot of fans in in, in Toronto. Did you see what J- the Utah Jazz did? Yeah, they're fo- finally following the mask mandate. No, 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 no. They went to Toronto. And this actually pissed me off because it affected me. But 
Donovan Mitchell didn't play because they didn't want him to go across the border. Um, Mike Conley didn't. They they benched like it was just like seven players. Like Hassan Whiteside was. Why didn't they want him to go across the border? Because of the like the the additional they they didn't they didn't want Donovan to stay in Canada because of getting COVID or something. So they kept their good players in the United States. So I think that that might be a thing with the uh, Raptors. Like if you're playing in Toronto, you're not going to bring out Donovan Mitchell or you're not going to bring out your star players. So I think that's going to be an interesting wrinkle if we're doing the pseudo tank. Do we bring Norman Powell to Toronto or do we bring do we bring Yusuf Nurkic to Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's, the, it's, a, it's a weird season and that's mm-hmm. why I've been wanting to just kind of simulate to the end and get the best pick possible and hopefully things look a little bit brighter in the fall. Mm. I mean, to, to be, to be perfectly honest, it's, it's just such, like I said, I don't want to take away from the players. Like you mentioned the 10 day guys getting called up and getting their first shots, but a, a lot of the season does feel a little like illegitimate to me. I think this season more than any in the past, whether it's the lockout, whether it's the bubble, probably going to have the biggest asterisk because it, the, the regular season is not really mattering. Uh, if, 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 and I hope, and it's a good, if, if NBA is able to get the protocols under wraps and under controls and, and you're able to have an actual postseason like they did last year, then that's going to be, be whoever's able to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. It, they're going to take it, but the regular season, this doesn't matter, Sage. It's just, it's almost like the wild west out there. Like you said, players getting held out because they don't want to cross the border. You've got players getting uh, the, in the protocols multiple times it's just so unprecedented, and it's also it's, if you thought Hassan Whiteside was unmotivated to play hard with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum on his team, could you imagine how unmotivated he was with? Uh, I think. Let me think. Oh shit, Jared Butler, uh, Elijah Hughes. Uh, shit, who's who? Who? Who's the guy uh, that? Not the good Pascal, the bad Pascal. What is his name? There's a bad Pascal. He, he played on the Warriors. He went to oh, Eric the, Pascal. A- Eric Pascal. I was thinking first name. I was like, there's only one spicy P first no, name. The, I can't even think of um, Foster, who's a shooting guard. Like, bro, I had trouble remembering who some of these players <laughs> were. He was so unmotivated to play. <laughs> oh, Hassan. There was a clip on Twitter I sent you where he... Did You'll the, never get me to say Hassan sucks because of what he's done for me in my. I didn't say he sucks. Career. He makes bonehead plays. He threw the ball away after getting a rebound. He had like fifty of, fantasy points. He's my guy for life. Instead of playing defense, he points to his teammate in his chest like, "My bad, my bad." Like, and the the Detroit players on the baseline, like, "What the fuck is actually going on?" And he's like, "The the the bucket's open. You just go in for a layup." And Hassan's like, just like face palm. It's like. That, that that's the Hassan Whiteside experience in, in a nutshell. I won a big tournament because of him. Help you. That's, that's great. He puts up big numbers. He also yeah. makes bonehead <laughs> plays, and it's funny to, to talk about. Yeah, but yeah, it was like, oh, he doesn't want to be here. He wishes he was also held out for this Utah game. Like Jordan Clarkson was in Toronto, and they're like, you know what? Fuck this shit. <laughs> he's not playing. Rudy Gay, he's not going to start. You know what? He's not going to play either. Have fun, fantasy players. <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to wrap this unstructured-ass podcast up? I mean, it's just like the season, baby. 
All right. So you were available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays 2 to 3. And thank you so much for listening. Future Fridays, Duke versus Kentucky Friday. Paolo. Bro. Him doing a hang dribble first play that he takes a shot, just like the CJ McCollum hang dribble to get ready for a shot at 6'9". That's a very interesting prospect. So get ready for that, people. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!